And, and when I was a kid, my brother and I collected baseball cards. It was um, a really fun experiment that failed miserably. I do still have a Ryan Sandberg rookie card that's worth like $12, but I paid like 75 for it. So I'm waiting for it to recover. Right? I thought, oh, as soon as he gets in the Hall of Fame, it's going to be worth a ton. And then it went up like 50 cents. So it turns out if they're not Mickey Mantle baseball cards, they're not worth a whole lot. But here's the deal, okay? But here's... I'm going to scare you away. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mike had, my brother, he had this Bo Jackson rookie card. And at the time, Bo Jackson was playing football and he was dominating and he was playing baseball and it was going to be awesome. And I thought to myself, Matt, you need to have that card. And so I did the thing that you never want to do when you're negotiating the price, right? I walked in and before I asked how much, I said, I have to have it. Some of you have done that on the car lot before. It's a bad idea, right? Because all the leverage then goes to the other person. And so I said, Mike, I got to have this Bo Jackson rookie card. What do you want for it? Well, he took everything I had. Everything that was worth more than the cardboard that it was printed on ended up in his collection, and I got my prized Bo Jackson rookie card. And it was awesome. Right up until a degenerative hip, right until he, he, he got, had to get out of football because he couldn't play anymore and couldn't get past an injury and became a mediocre at best baseball player. I think I've still got that card. Um, it's a reminder to me maybe um, about how silly of an endeavor that can be. Because here's the deal, guys. We are always looking for the one thing that will satisfy our hearts. This is cheesy, and so you'll give me forgiveness for being hyper cheesy today, but you've heard it before, and I'll remind you of this. Every single one of us has this, this kind of hole, right? And this is actually something we'll talk about next week as we get into our new series, Respectable Sins. That'll be a good time. But, uh, but we all are hardwired to have this innate need, something we need, something we know that's missing, something we require, something we want to have, something we want to get. And so we do. We spend all of our time trading up. It happens at work all the time. We leave jobs we like because we're sure there's a better job to be had out here. And that's not just in the business world. I know pastors that do that. I know pastors that have left churches that they loved that they absolutely loved and people that they loved because they were sure there was bigger and better with more opportunities and more reward out there somewhere. We do it with work. We trade in our families so we can get higher at work. We do it, man, listen, you teenagers, we, we do it with our friends. We are so sure that that girl is going to make us so happy that we'll trade our friends for that girl. And that never works out. Churches do this. We trade right doctrine and right theology. We trade what the Bible says for what the culture says so that we can be more attractive to people. We are always trading up. But forgive me for being hyper cheesy again, but there is only one thing that will satisfy and the one thing that will satisfy is Jesus. 
Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy. And we're going to deal with this a little bit today as we start talking about how if you're going to go all in on life, there is only one thing worth going all in for, okay? And that's Jesus. That's God. That's the kingdom of God. See, we get confused about the kingdom of God. Kids, you definitely get confused about the kingdom of God. Parents, a lot of times that's on us. So listen carefully as I explain this to you. The kingdom of God is not about going to heaven. How many of you are looking forward to heaven? I am looking forward to heaven. Heaven will be awesome. If you did not raise your hand, I'm going to assume that either you're confused about what heaven is or you're just too embarrassed to raise your hand at church. But heaven will be great. And we are looking forward to heaven, but too often we get confused and we think that Jesus is all about going to heaven. So we get Jesus, we get to go to heaven, and that's great. The problem is that that's not what the Word of God teaches us. That's not what the Word of God tells us. Heaven is a byproduct of the kingdom. It is an eventual reality because of Jesus, but it is not the reason. And the reason I need us to understand that is because there are so many people outside of the church that would look at people that go to church, and you've probably had this conversation with your, your friends or your family members or your coworkers that, that want to point out that church is just full of weak people that need a crutch. You've been told that one? I've been told that one. The church is, is for weak people that need a crutch, a way to feel better about life, a way to feel better about things. And I think part of the reason for that is because we've done it to ourselves. Because we've said that church is so that we can get to heaven. And we don't really worry about it right now in this moment, but we're just thinking about heaven. And so it, people view that as just something to make yourself feel better at the moment. But the reality is the kingdom is real and it's now and it's valuable and it's the only thing worth going all in for. It's the only thing that will truly satisfy your soul. And if you're not sure that I know what I'm talking about, then be assured that these are not my words, they're Jesus's. You can go ahead and turn in your Bible if you want to. Otherwise, you can just trust me that I'm going to tell you what it says. We're going to look in Matthew 13, okay? And we're going to look at a simple verse, verse 44, but... Because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it justice, I'm going to have Vince help me out. Vince, you want to help me? Yep. So, Jesus is telling a parable. A parable is a story, a story with a message, a truth attached to it. And he's telling a parable of a treasure in a field, okay, and a random guy. Now, if you were a random guy, what would your name be? Vince. I like Vince. So Vince, random guy Vince. I think for these purposes, we can go with Vinny. <laughs> Vince hates that, by the way. But he can't argue with me now. Um, so here's the deal. So that's my bad. So Vince... Vinny, he's walking along in a field. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he's up to. He's just taking a walk. He's looking at the birds. He notices that cloud up there. It looks like, looks like an elephant. He says, no, that's not an elephant. It's a giraffe. Maybe it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. But he's just walking along and he's just whistling 
Can't whistle right now. Can't whistle. He's just humming his favorite song. <laughs> and the Bible tells us this. It says that he accidentally discovered. Basically, that's it. He tripped over a treasure that was hidden in a field. So what he does is, first thing he does, this treasure is so valuable, you can bet that he's looking around. Did anybody else see this treasure? Where did this treasure come from? Why is it here? And then Jesus tells us he makes a decision about the treasure, seeing that it doesn't belong to anyone else, seeing that nobody else knows where it is. Here's what he does. Jesus says, so in his excitement, he hid it again. He digs a hole. He buries it. He makes sure that nobody else is going to accidentally find it. And you might be thinking, what good is it going to do him buried in a field? Except here's the deal. There's a problem. The problem is this isn't his field. And if he takes what's on this field, then officially Vinny is guilty of stealing. But Vince is a good Christian guy. And Vince doesn't want to be guilty of stealing. So he knows there's only one answer to own this treasure. There's only one way that he can have this treasure. And that is simply to sell everything he owns so that he can buy the field and have everything that's in the field. And so Vince, excitedly, with joy in his heart, goes to sell everything he owns. All his Pokemon cards. Don't, don't let him kid you. His entire Beanie Baby collection. Even his Bo Jackson rookie. He trades it all. He counts his money. And he tries to decide, do I have enough? Now he's got enough. And so what Jesus said is then, when he has all the money, he goes and he buys the field. It's good for me. I want, I want the field. And he buys the field. And he joyfully uncovers the treasure. And then he goes and he sits down. <laughs> you see, oh my goodness. Yeah, that, that's about right. So here's the deal. So what Vince just acted out for us is the parable that Jesus shares. Now we elaborate a little bit because, well, I think we're given the freedom to do that. This isn't a true story. When Jesus, by the way, just so you know, the Bible is true, the Bible is real, everything in the Bible is real, but in this instance, Jesus doesn't say, hey, let me tell you a true story. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. So let me give you a metaphor. Let me give you 
a picture. Let me paint you this word picture about what the kingdom of heaven is like and what it's worth. And he paints this picture of a man who stumbles. Okay, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man stumbled upon hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again. He sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Actually, he tells another parable right after that. He says the kingdom of God is like um, a merchant on the lookout for the best, choicest pearl. And when he finds the pearl of great value, he goes and he sells all of his possessions so that he can exchange everything he's ever owned or held valuable or thought was good for this one choice pearl of great price. See, and so what we're understanding here in the picture that Jesus paints about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is so critically valuable that it is worth everything you have. Listen to me, children. You know as well as I do that you have one thing that is more valuable than anything else. I, I know, and you're at church, so you're like, it's God. Jesus. And if you're feeling really gracious, my mom. Okay. Acknowledge that you're all very good children who say God and Jesus and moms and dads. But there's a thing you own. There's a thing you own that is more valuable than anything else that you own. What is it? What is it for you? What do you got? Did you say God? You know what? I can't argue with that. What do you got? Jesus. Okay. Who's going to say it's my PS4? Because let's, come on, let's be honest. It's my Xbox One. Okay. That's, Gavin's like, that's it. It's my brand new iPhone. What, what number are we on? Seven, seven plus, right? Right? Because the, the, here's the thing. We, we like it when they get bigger now. Anybody remember when it used to be cool the smaller they got? Right? So the thing for cell phones for a long time is the smaller it gets, the better it is. Now it's the bigger it gets, the better it is. I don't understand it, but it's your iPhone 7 plus. It's your Bo Jackson rookie card. It's the one thing that you've got to have above all else. But listen to me. Here's what I'm telling you. This is what Jesus says. There is nothing in the world that you will ever possess. No title at work. No girlfriend or boyfriend. Okay? No relationship. No amount of money. No car. There is nothing worth having that is ever going to be over and above Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the way this works. That's the only thing worth having. And you'd have thought it was a little risky. I mean, think about Vince in that story. Vince sold everything he owned. Everything that was of value to him, he gave up. You'd have thought that maybe he'd be having second thoughts. Adults, how many of you have ever bought a car, you walked away from buying the car, and on the drive home in your new car, you were thinking to yourself, processing the new payments, calculating it all out in your head, and you're thinking, oh, sweet goodness, what did I just do? <laughs> Every time, brother. <laughs> Every time. Second thoughts. Or you purchase, even worse, a house. And you're so excited to get in your new home. You're so excited to have your house. And then you go to sign the mortgage papers. And the sweet lady at the bank who didn't tell you this ahead of time pulls out this big, what she calls this, amortization table. 
and shows you that over 12 payments a year for the next 30 years of your life, this is how much this $110,000 house is actually going to have cost you. Half a million dollars. <laughs> that you're going to, over the next 30 years, you're going to have spent half a million dollars to buy this $100,000 house. And this thing that I was so excited to have and so excited to get, and I fantasize about my family being in it and all of this stuff, and, and it comes to sign the papers, and I sign the papers, and I'm smiling because that's what my wife wants me to do. I'm excited, I'm happy, but deep down in my heart, I'm thinking, oh, sweet goodness, what have I just done? That's what you'd expect. But not Vince. Vince saw the treasure in the field. He sold everything he owned and he ran after the prize. Can I tell you something? Listen carefully to me. If you want to win at life, so many of our adults want to win at life, and I know our kids want to win at life. They may not say it that way. They may not say to their parents, I want to win at life, but that's what they want. They want to win. If you want to win, there is only one way to win. And it simply is Jesus. And the man in the parable who stumbled across a prize of great value he understood that the way to win was Jesus. And I want to I contrast that. That was Jesus telling a parable. So that wasn't real. It was a story meant to paint a picture. But there's going to be a real opportunity in one of the other Gospels, a real opportunity for this to actually happen. And so I need a volunteer. Let me think, who could it be? Vinny. Dude, where are your shoes? This is worship, man. All right, fine. All right. So here's the deal. So, so Jesus is telling a story. He's like, in a story, this is going to happen. He's like, the kingdom of God is like this. I am worth this. Give everything you have. Be all in for me. When you're all in for me, your life will make sense. When you're all in for me, everything will come together. And he paints this picture. And then later on, we're going to see it actually happen, except there's no field. There's no accident. Right? I need a Jesus. That's a tall order. Are you sure? Like, like, all right, well, this will be... Emerson, come on up. You got the hair at least. Because I'm convinced Jesus had long hair. Probably not quite as pale. Whatever, doesn't matter. Stand here. Is that, that's an American girl, Bo. Oh, my goodness. All right. So here's the deal. In the parable Jesus told... The parable Jesus told, there was a man that just stumbled upon a treasure. But in the real life version of this, there is somebody out there, he's called the rich young ruler. Vince, are you young? Are you rich? Oh, yeah. Do you rule people? Yes. Okay, so Vince is the rich young ruler, but he's not going to accidentally trip over a prize in a field. He's going to go find Jesus. And he's going to go find Jesus because he knows that Jesus has something he doesn't. Okay, remember, you're Jesus. So I'll tell you what to say in a minute. But so here's what happens. 
Chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and he says this, Good teacher. Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, pause. Don't move. Here's the deal. When he says, what must I do to inter- inherit eternal life? What Vinny is not saying is, how do I get to heaven? See, we see eternal life. Oh, it is all about heaven. No, he's not asking, how do I get to heaven? What he's asking is, what he's saying is, my life is broken. There is a hole in my heart. My soul is not fulfilled. And he says, I've tried it. I'm rich. I'm a rich guy. Everything I thought would buy me happiness, I bought. Don't move. Everything I thought would buy me happiness, I bought. Having people do what I tell them to do because I'm a ruler. I did that. It didn't make me satisfied. I went to church. I prayed the prayers. I did the stuff. None of it worked quite right for me. It's like I put everything I had into this and nothing has worked for me. You know what? There's even more. Because the Bible tells us that this is a basically decent guy, which means when none of that stuff worked for him, when buying all the stuff, bossing the people around, here's what he tried next. He gave to charity. He gave away a bunch of stuff. Not all of it. He kept plenty for himself, but he tried to give things to people. He tried to make people's lives better. He tried to do all kinds of things so that he would feel right. But when he runs to Jesus and he falls down on the ground and he says, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What he's really saying is, Jesus, there's something in my life that's missing. And Jesus is going to answer him. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? You got you to be loud so everybody can hear you. Okay. Why do you call me good? Right. And then he says, only God is truly good. Right, that's good enough. Yep, and then he says this, but to answer your question, but to answer your question you got to keep all my commandments. You gotta keep all my commandments. Vince's heart sinks at this point because Jesus says, well, you want to have eternal life, then all you got to do is follow all the commandments. And Vince is thinking to himself, I've done that and I still feel empty. So say that. I've done that. I, I still feel empty though. And Jesus says this, there's one thing you haven't done. There's one thing you haven't done. Go and sell everything you have. Go and sell everything you have. Give all your money to the poor. Give all your money to the poor. And then come and follow me. And then come and follow me. All right, now Jesus, you can go sit down. This is moment of truth time. Do you feel bad? Nobody clapped for you earlier. I'm up here every Sunday. Nobody ever claps for me. Whatever. Here's the deal. So Vince, so Vince falls to his knees and he says, God, I am empty. I should be full, but I'm empty. I have everything I thought I wanted. I've got the cute girlfriend. I've got the really fast car. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> he says, I've got the really fast car. I'm living the dream in my nice lifestyles of the rich and famous house. I've got servants to do my bidding. 
Okay, people that wash my clothes, people that cook me dinner. I'm doing great, but somehow, deep down, I'm feeling empty. He says to Jesus, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, here's the one thing you lack. Just like the man in the field, go and sell everything you have so that you can have me. Get all that other stuff out of your way. You won't find happiness. You won't find joy. You won't find satisfaction in any of that stuff. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm the one you need. Go sell it all so that you can come back and follow me. The man that tripped over the the prize in the field, that's exactly what he did. And he did it joyfully. With a hop and a skip and a step, he sold everything he had, even his Bo Jackson rookie card, even his tennis shoes, so that he could buy that field. The rich young ruler, Jesus says, go sell everything so that you can follow me. It's his moment of truth. It's his choice. But the Bible tells us instead of running to sell everything he had, he walked away sad. He walked away sad, and here's the thing about walking away sad in this instance. He's never heard from again in the story of Scripture. What it tells me that he's never heard from again in the story of Scripture is that he did not get the thing that he was always after. That his soul was never satisfied. That his life was never made complete. That he was never all in on Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you this morning that if you want to be all in on Jesus, that you need to part with all of your worldly possessions. I'm not telling you that at all. What I am telling you is that Jesus is worth everything that you have. And that's all there is to it. Okay? Jesus is worth everything that you have. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. We're going to sing, and we're going to be prepared to close this out. But as they come up and they get ready, I want to just remind you of this. If Jesus is worth everything you have, then that means there is nothing that you should be holding back. Okay? And you'll notice the two responses. This guy had nothing except for Jesus, and he was thrilled. He had nothing except for Jesus, and he is ecstatic. The other guy has everything his heart could ever want except for Jesus, and he walks away having a pity party. It is all, always about Jesus. And as we prepare to sing this last song, okay, I'll just simply say this. Jesus is not hard to find. If you are here this morning and you do not have Jesus. He is not difficult to find. You just need to make the decision right now. You don't have to run around and sell things. You just need to make the decision in your heart that you are all in on Jesus, that Jesus is worth everything you have and that you are all in. That's all it takes. Jesus, I know I'm broken. I know I've got a need. I know that you died on the cross to pay my price and I'm all in. That's all it takes. Would you stand, pray with me, and we'll sing. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We thank you for the truth that to be your disciple costs. To be your disciple takes us giving you our whole life. And for some people, that looks like one thing. For some people, giving you our whole life means that we sell everything and that we follow after you. For some people, it means we become pastors. For some people, it means we become missionaries. For others still, it means that we sell out boldly for you at work. 
and we share the gospel with people that need to know it. For some people, it means simply that we use our resources in ways that help and bring honor and glory to you instead of accumulate more and more for ourselves. There are so many ways that you call us to be all in, but that's the call. To push everything we have to the center of the table and say, Jesus, it's all yours. God, we thank you that that's the call for us, that it's clear. And we thank you that it is so worth the cost. We thank you for eternal life, and we thank you that we live in the kingdom. God, we love you and praise you. Amen.